don't know if you've noticed, but our world is pretty broken. If you look at CNN or you follow just any sort of news source and you kind of check what's going on out there, there's evidence of brokenness all around us. In fact, I can just name cities, and what you'll remember about the city is not how wonderful it is. You'll just remember the brokenness. If I say, if I say uh, Charleston, Charlottesville, Baltimore, Orlando, Las Vegas, Manchester, London, what you think of maybe is how great some of those places are. But maybe also what you think of as, oh yeah, shooting and, and, and violence and destruction and brokenness is so evident out there in the world. And every week I think we get a fresh reminder in, in the news of what's going on out there. But the problem is the brokenness, the issues are not just out there, they're here in us as well. They're in our lives, in our relationships, in our families. If I think about Thanksgiving this year, you think about Thanksgiving, you think about getting together with family members, there's probably some family members you're like, oh, I got to get together with those people. There's brokenness in your relationship. There's people holding grudges for years, right? For decades. I had a friend tell me about a funeral lately, and a lady delivered part of the message at the funeral, and she had not spoken, she was a family member of the deceased, and she had not spoken to that, that guy who died in 18 years. That's to someone speaking at the funeral. Hadn't, hadn't spoken in 18 years. What is going on? What is the brokenness, not just out there in the culture, but in our families? There's some problems. There's some relational strife and struggles. And it's not just in our families. It's, it's everywhere. You, you see it at work. If, you're, if you work in medicine or police or fire or any, like, first responders or whatever, you see the brokenness in our culture firsthand. You see what people are capable of doing to one another. In medicine, oftentimes, you see what people do to themselves and how we hurt one another and, 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 the, and the fallout of, of the violence and, and destruction. You see that stuff. You know the world is broken. If you work in education, you see how mean kids can be. If, you're, if you work with little kids, you, start, you see how early it starts. You see the brokenness in relationships that start there. You, you see that stuff. And it's not just stuff we see at work or stuff we read in the news or stuff that's in our families. It's in us too. We have problems we struggle. You may rail against something like pornography and say, hey, this is wrong, but then you participate in it. You go, oh, that exploits women. It's part of sex trafficking, but you, but you participate in it. You may, you may say, man, racism's terrible and we need to love one another or whatever, but you have the occasional racist thought, don't you? From time to time, and, and, and you go, man, I, man, I can't believe I think in that. You, you say we should love one another, but you carry hatred around in your heart sometimes for people. Like, it's not just it's broken out there. I think if we're all honest, me, you, all of us, it's broken in here too. We have some significant problems, and, and, and we need to talk about them. Now, our, our problems seem new, right? Our modern problems seem like, man, no one in the world's ever dealt with this before. This is a crazy new thing. And in some ways, they are new. You know, like teenagers and, you know, smartphones and people like, you know, in middle school, texting, like, nude pictures to one another. We didn't do that when I was in middle school. We did not, because a photo was something a dude at the, at the pharmacy was going to have to develop for you on paper, and you just didn't want, you know, you're just like, I don't want pervy technicians going to be developing my photos, but I'm not going to put anything, on, like, you just didn't have the, the possibility of doing things like that, right? But here we are. And so the problems seem 
really new, our modern issues, the stuff going on in society. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe. And, and every time you start talking about it, you sound like an old person. You know, it's like, oh, kids these days, right? People, by the way, people have been saying kids these days for about 3,000 years. They've been saying that the, the, the kids these days are terrible. So that's not new. Here's the reality. Our modern problems are not so new. Like, they, they seem new, but they're really just ancient problems. They're the same things that we've always struggled with because underneath whatever the modern issue is, there's pride and there's anger and there's lust and there's just stuff that's been going on. The, the gravy may change, but these are the same potatoes. These are the same potatoes that have been going on for thousands and thousands of years. And so what I want to do in this series, we're starting a new series today called Ancient Answers to Modern Problems. We're going to take a different problem each week and look at it. And it's a modern problem. It's something that we're struggling with, whether it's uh, sexuality or technology or uh, anxiety or work or, you know, faith or, or just the different things that we wrestle with in the world and in our culture. And from now till Christmas, we're going to talk about a different one each week. And we're going to look back at some ancient solutions to those modern problems. Um, and, and I want to warn you right up front, ancient answers to modern problems are probably never going to be like exciting or sexy. Like we live in a culture where it's like, man, can I just take a pill for that? Like I don't want to get in shape. Is there just a pill I can take, right? This isn't going to be like that. This isn't going to be a pill you can take. The, the, the ancient solutions to, these, to the reality, to these modern problems that are really ancient problems um, it's not going to be easy, it's not going to be quick, and there's going to be some hard truths that we're going to talk about. But I think if you embrace it and you lean into it and you, and you learn and you grow and, and you allow God to, to pour into you, I, I think the results are going to be stunning. I, I, I think we have great possibility here to really grow and to really change and to really get through some of that stuff that we continue to, to wrestle with. Um, so to set all that up, I want to talk today uh, about a concept of freedom, and, and I, want to, I want to really get into this idea of freedom because the issue of freedom, and we are free to do what we want, that, that kind of idea, really that, that freedom stands at the heart of so many of our modern problems. We may not realize it, but it's there at the heart of it, and so just to set up the whole series, we need to talk through freedom, and this is going to come up again and again throughout the series, but we need to understand freedom and boundaries um, it's so that we can get into a lot of these ancient answers to the modern problems. Um, this is hard to talk about freedom in America because, I don't know if you've noticed this, and it's not July, but we still notice it year-round, Americans love, love, love freedom. We are the land of the free, the home of the brave. We are founded on don't tread on me, the idea, right, that, that we're going to throw off the oppressor, that those people are trying to rule us, and we want to rule and govern ourselves, and so we're getting rid of, rid of that. And this idea of freedom is so baked into uh, our postmodern, sort of post-enlightenment Western culture that it's almost hard to think of it in any other way when you say freedom. It's almost hard not to think of it in an American context. It's like, it's like the air you breathe. It's like if I asked you to describe oxygen, you wouldn't be able to. You're just like, I, I don't know, it's just there. That's kind of how we are uh, uh, about freedom. But here's the hard truth about the way we view freedom in this country. Our view of freedom actually leads to a new kind of slavery. It leads us to be addicted to all sorts of of things. 
So if I could contrast our view of freedom with an ancient view of Scripture, I guess I could look at it this way. Our view of freedom means this. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Isn't that basically like you hit college and like you're not under your parents, in your parents' house or whatever? Isn't that basically like our jam? I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Sounds pretty awesome. Sign me up, right? That sounds like how we, how we view freedom and, and at least all sorts of things. I do what I want. I'm a grown man. I can do what I want. I'm a lady. I can do what I want. We, this is what we say, right? Whatever two consenting adults want to do together, they can do that because they are free to do whatever you want. You are free to pursue whatever your heart desires. And there's some good things to that for sure. There's some, there's some good to that. And, and, and how do we say it in our culture? Follow your heart. Do your own thing. We say things like, you do you, right? Do what makes you feel good. Do, do, do what your heart desires. We say that. We say, oh, that's, a, that's a great thing. Yeah, yeah, we should just be true to yourself. As if not being true to yourself is the worst sin in America. The worst thing you could ever do is not be true to yourself. You need to follow your own path. Be true to you. That's the best thing you can do. I don't know if it's the best thing you could do because sometimes when I follow my own path and I'm true to myself, I'm an idiot. And if I'm being an idiot, you don't want me to be true to me, right? You would like me to be real fake if, if I'm being an idiot, right? And, and, and the same thing goes for you. Following your own path, you do you, following your own heart, that actually leads to some, some problems. The ancient view, and I would say a scriptural view, is not freedom is you do what you want whenever you want. Freedom is actually you do what you ought to do. You are, uh, it's the idea that you are made for a purpose and that the best way to be actually free is to discover that purpose and live within its boundaries. Now that sounds weird. If I say freedoms do what you ought to do, that sounds so weird to us as Americans. We're like, that, that doesn't even make sense. Freedoms, I can do whatever I want. But, but to show you that, I need to take you back to the, the, the beginning. In, in Genesis, the first couple chapters of the Bible, uh, Tommy and Laura went through these with you back in August, if you were here for that. In, in the first couple chapters of the Bible, uh, God creates man, and he puts Adam and Eve in this paradise, this garden, and he gives them, like, very little restriction. He says, have at it, this is paradise, enjoy yourselves, make more of you, create more human beings, uh, make this place great, take care of the animals, take care of the land, take care of the trees, take care of this place, but it's going to be awesome. You can just do whatever you want. It sounds like this unlimited freedom, and yet God gives just one boundary, just one limit on their freedom. This is the only one. Listen to this, Genesis 2, God says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. If you're a vegetarian, you're like, yes, I'm in. Every tree you get. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there's one tree, you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And here comes God trying to ruin our fun again. You can do whatever you want, just don't eat the one tree. I'm just asking you, don't eat the one tree. One little thing, don't eat that, don't touch it. Have at it, kids. Other than that, you're going to be fine. Because if you do eat from it, it's going to go badly for you, and it's going to bring about death. 
and you're going to be addicted, and you're going to be enslaved, and you're going to follow all these things of your heart and your stomach and your gut and your desires, and that's going to lead you to very, very bad places. So their freedom had a limit on it. There was a governor of some sort on their freedom. And so what do they do? They, they do the one thing God says not to do, and they get booted from paradise. Their children end up killing one another, and humanity goes dark, so dark that humanity is described that people just did whatever they wanted. People followed their hearts, their guts. They, they did every evil thing that came across their minds and doing whatever. They cast off all restraints. They had no boundaries, and they followed their stomachs as their master. Um, and, and we need to understand that, that there are boundaries even around freedom. Now, our culture loves to say that we're free people, but we still hedge on it a little bit, I think. We, we put some boundaries out there, even in our culture today, if, even if you're not religious, okay? You, there's still some boundaries. So you would say, uh, about sex, you would say, to a teenager, you might say, hey, sex is a really a great thing. It's fun. It's enjoyable. But don't have sex until you're ready. That's a boundary we put out there. It's, it's a limit. It's, it's a, you can have at it, kids. Just don't eat at this one tree, right? Don't have sex until you're ready. This is what we tell teenagers. I don't know if it's a very good boundary because I know what I thought was ready when I was a teenager. And I know you, you probably did too. But that's what we say, because we go, man, I think there's something wrong here with saying just have sex with whoever, whenever. Uh, I'm going to put a boundary on it. Don't have sex until you're ready. Or maybe as adults, we say, don't have sex unless you really love the person. We might put that boundary on it, you know? Uh, so, so we do that because we know that unbridled freedom isn't quite it. Or, or we do this with alcohol. We say, um, drink, you can drink alcohol, that's fine. You know, everything in moderation, there's a boundary, right? There's a limit we put on things. Everything in moderation. Or we say with alcohol, alcohol companies, the people selling you the alcohol, will say at the end of the commercial, please drink responsibly. What does that mean? Drink responsibly? I've been to some parties, and I know that people don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I know, I know in my own life, you know, when I've drunk irresponsibly. I know that's a, that's a, that's a thing, right? Like, it's... But that's the guardrail we put out. That's what we say. You're free to do whatever you want. Have as much as you want. Just be responsible. So drink some, but not too much. Try this, but not too much. Like these are the, the, the boundaries that we put around our freedom. And people who are addicted, people who find themselves in Alcoholics Anonymous or something, had the freedom to drink as much as they want. And it led to a new kind of slavery. It led to an addiction. It led to... Uh, a, a problem where, like, yeah, I'm free, I could do this, and then, and unfortunately, I do it too much. And, and, and you see that. Uh, the philosopher Rousseau said, man is born free, and everywhere he is in chains. Man is born free, and everywhere he's in chains. We're free people. Yes, you can do what you want, whatever you want, but the reality is that just leads to a new kind of slavery, the truth is, the only way to be free is not to do whatever you want whenever you want. It's to do whatever you want within the boundaries that God designed us for, within the way he created us. St. Augustine says it this way. Look at, look at his quote. Love God and do what you will. I love that quote. Love God and do whatever you want. That sounds super free. And it is free, but you've got to do the first part if you're going to do the second part. You have to love God, as Jesus says, with your heart, mind, soul, strength. If you love him fully, 
then you can do whatever you want because if you're loving him first, you're not going to do really stupid things. You're not going to stray far offline if you will love him first and then do what you want because your desires will actually be formed and they will actually change over time and you will want to do things for God and, and out of your love for him. Think of it this way. Is a goldfish more free when you take the goldfish out of the tank and drop them on the floor? Totally, right? You take that, that little goldfish bowl small, but look at all this room you could have. The goldfish isn't more free because that's not the way the goldfish was created. Is a train more free when you pull it off the tracks? Man, you could go anywhere or nowhere. Really? Is, is soccer a more free game if it has no rules? I mean, the thing I love about soccer is, here's the rules. There's an out-of-bounds. Don't hit it over there. Don't touch it with your hand. And there's offsides, which is a little bit complicated to explain. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> it's, it's right? So that's it. It's pretty simple compared to football, which has, like, tons of rules, right? So you see soccer, you're like, man, this beautiful game. I love it. It's so free. You can do whatever you want. Just don't use your hands. Don't kick it over there and don't get offside. Cool. It's great. Is soccer a better game if you got rid of those rules? What if you could use your hands? Oh, come on, I'd be grabbing that thing. I'd just run up and throw it in the goal. That's not even the same game anymore. I was like, yeah, offsides is annoying. Maybe they get rid of it. No, if you got rid of offsides, the game, if you think about it, if you play the, play the game, the game would completely change if you got rid of that rule. It doesn't make these things better. It makes them totally different and not even the same anymore. Soccer without, you know, the rule about touching your hands or offsides becomes like rugby. It's a different game. No. The freedom is found, the creativity is found when you play within some sort of boundary, some sort of rules, when, there are, when there are, where there's some sort of fence around you. You're not more free if you had no speed limits out on the road. Let's, let's get rid of speed limits. I would crash my car with no speed limits. Lots of people would be injured and die quickly without any limit on how, far, on how fast we go. No, freedom has to fit within some boundaries. Not doing whatever we want, but doing what we ought to do. Freedom comes from, I believe, obedience to God. And that obedience is not out of obligation, it's out of love. Obedience to God through love actually brings freedom. I want to show it to you in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes a letter to the church in Galatia. And Galatia is in central Turkey. And Paul writes a letter there, and the people had become followers of Jesus in this region of Turkey. And here's the problem. They became followers of Jesus, but some of them were Jewish, and some of them had come in, and they basically said, you know what? We're followers of Jesus now, but we need to follow all the Old Testament Jewish laws about dietary restrictions, about Sabbath, about all of these things. There's like 600 and something laws in the Old Testament and hundreds of laws extra that they made about it. We need to follow all those things. And Paul, if you want to... One of the few times in the New Testament, Paul's pretty angry. It's in the book of Galatians because he's writing these people. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you now free in Christ? You're following Jesus, and you're adding a bunch of old laws and rules onto your freedom. Look at the way he says it, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He says, don't trade the freedom that you have for, like, old rules and laws and slavery. That sounds great to us. Yeah, why would I follow any of the old rules from an old book or anything like that? But he's talking about this Jewish laws that people are like, do this, don't do this, eat this, don't eat that. Like, he's like, whoa, whoa, slow down. You, you are free in Christ. Christ actually set you free. Don't follow all these old rules, okay? 
But maybe more relevant to us is look at what he says down in verse 13, just a few verses later. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He says, you're called to be free. Now this should go against so many of our modern ideas about God, about Christianity, about what the whole thing is. Because our modern ideas are, God ruins my fun, right? I want to go out Friday, but God doesn't want me to. I would drink that, but God doesn't want me to. I want to be in a relationship with this person, but God doesn't want me. Like, all these things, we just, like, God becomes the, you know, the nun cracking you on the knuckles. Do this. Oh, you can't do that. Whap. That's not your, you know. And so we think that there isn't freedom in being a follower of Jesus. We just think it's rules. We think it's, it's hard. We think it's annoying it, 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 that God's trying to ruin our fun. And the truth is, God is actually not trying to ruin your fun. He is for your greatest joy. God is for your joy. He just knows that your joy is found when you live according to his purpose, when you live within his boundaries and you live according to the nature of, of, of how he has created you. And Paul reminds us in verse 13, he says, look, don't use your freedom to indulge sin. And he lists what those sins are a little later down the passage. We don't have to read it, but it's, you know, don't use your freedom to get into all sorts of sexual immorality, orgies, drunkenness, anger, lust, all, all, all those things that you might expect. He says, don't use your freedom to indulge that kind of stuff. In other words, don't cast off the shackles of the Old Testament law. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not, you know, covet your neighbor or whatever, neighbor's wife and all that kind of stuff. Don't get rid of all that only to add on new shackles, new slavery of following your gut, of following your own desires, of following your heart. Listen to the Spirit, Paul is telling us, and walk in step with the Spirit of God. So how do we do that? Well, three things and then we're done. Number one, you have to know the truth. You have to know the truth. There's, there's, there's at least a cognitive piece of this. Jesus says it this way in his teaching in John chapter 8. He, listen to what he says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now they're thinking slavery as a nation, being enslaved to the Romans or the Assyrians or the Babylonians, and they say, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus says, cling to, abide in, hold on tightly to his words, his teaching." If you learn his words and his teaching, if you learn them and live them out, you will actually be free because you'll know why you're here. You'll know your purpose. Um, you, you'll know where, where you fit. You'll walk through life not, you know, un, unmoored and, and kind of listless, but you, you'll have a direction. And this seems pretty... Uh, counterintuitive. Our, 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 our cultural idea is that freedom is self-discovery. It's follow your heart and your gut and just pursue your own personal happiness. And the truth is, that doesn't work. Prisons are full of people who pursued their own happiness, who followed their gut and their, 
and their heart. Addiction recovery is full of people following their heart and, and, and their gut. Everyone, Jesus reminds us, everyone who commits a sin is actually, they're not free, they're a slave to sin. Have you ever committed a sin that you have a hard time quitting? Have you ever done that? I bet you have. I have. You, you have, right? We've, we've all done that. There's stuff in our lives that we have a difficult time letting go of. And yet we think we're really free, but we're not. We just have another master. We're pursuing our own guts, our, our, our stomachs, our, our desire. So Jesus says, no, the, the first step of freedom is going to be to know his teaching, and then second part of that is to cling to Jesus in, in obedience. It's not enough to just know his teaching. You have to cling to it in obedience. You have to actually follow the things he says to do. There are plenty of things that I know about that I don't follow. I know that eating right, I should probably cut carbs and raise my protein and eat more vegetables, right? And we were having this discussion backstage. Does Taco Bell count as a vegetable? I don't know. I don't think so. But sometimes I want it, right? So there are things you know that you don't do. So it's not enough to just know the truth. You need to cling to it and actually follow after it. If I don't let the truth change my actions, then nothing's really going to change. Business coach, former Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink, wrote uh, this book called Extreme Ownership. And he takes the principles he learned of being a Navy SEAL and fighting in wars and all that, and he takes them into the business environment. If you've ever heard him on a podcast or seen his book, it's very interesting. And one of the main points of his book, one of the ideas, and I I want to buy the, there's a t-shirt that says this, I think it's great. It just says, discipline equals freedom. Discipline equals freedom. And that should sound counterintuitive to you, because it did to me. Like, wait a second. No, it doesn't. Like, discipline of get up at 5 a.m. and work, work out every day. Does that feel like freedom? It does not. That feels like slavery to the gym master. When that alarm goes off, that does not feel, I do not feel free in that moment, Right? But here's the reality. The discipline of that over time affects your health. And not being limited by your health is going to be a new kind of freedom. There's something really powerful about that. That's true with fitness. That's true with eating. The discipline of not eating junk equals long-term health and freedom. The discipline with your finances. This is why we teach financial peace here at Area 10 all throughout the year because it's really great around this stuff. The discipline of your finances, of actually not spending everything you make, of saving money, of putting money away, of being smart about your finances. The discipline of that, of saying no to yourself when you want to drop money on this and buy that new thing and whatever. Saying no, the discipline of that feels terrible, but it equals freedom. When you do the thing, when you're obedient to the boundaries, you live by the budget, there's actually freedom in that when you realize that you're, that you're, you're beginning to save and, and you're not feeling so paycheck to paycheck. Reading the Scripture feels like a discipline. Oh, man, i got to read the Bible today and learn Jesus' words. It feels like discipline until it sinks into you and you start to know it and memorize it and can quote it. Well, then, it's, then it feels a little differently to you. It becomes part of you. There's a a freedom there. I mean, we should know. We should realize that uh, when we're undisciplined, it leads to slavery. We're not free. Man, I mean, look at at just finances. They have a credit card called MasterCard. That should be telling you something. 
Like, by the way, you're signing up for slavery to the master card. Like, it should be obvious. It's on the card. <laughs> and yet we think we're being so free, I can wave this thing and spend whatever I want and live outside of my budget. No, freedom comes when you live within the boundaries that God has placed for us. Galatians 5.13, again, look at this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And that leads me to the last point here. He says, serve one another. So know the truth, cling to Jesus in obedience, actually do the thing, and then serve one another. Be a servant. Now this is weird because servant definitely sounds like the opposite of being free. If I said, you need to be a servant. I need to be a servant. You'd be like, that's not free at all. That's, that's the opposite of being free. And this is one of the paradoxical things about Christianity. The way to be, a fr- to be free is to be a servant of all. Not a forced servant servitude, but a willing one. Christ actually shows us this. Philippians chapter 2, listen to the way it describes Christ. It says, and then he's talking to us he, first. He says, have this mind among yourselves. So all of us think this way, okay? Which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then listen to him. Who... Though he was in the form of God, did not, consider, did not count quality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That word servant in that verse is not strong enough. It's a Greek word doulos, and it means slave. Bond servant, slave. You see this in the New Testament all the time. Paul is saying, here's your model. Christ became a slave. Christ willingly, out of love, Serve. Not because he was forced to. No one made Christ die on the cross. He willingly goes there. He willingly becomes a slave, a servant of all. And we are called to do the same. We are called to pour ourselves out for others. It is, in fact, the only way to be free. It's the only way we're going to be free. You think about a sailboat. A sailboat is uh, a beautiful thing when it's, when it's done well. A man... You get sailboat on an open water with some wind, and it's, it's, it's incredible to, to, to glide along the water. But if you try to take a sailboat into shallow water where it won't go or where there's no wind, it's not fun. I've been on a sailboat when it's not sailing, and it's super like sitting there and, and not a lot of fun. It soars when it does what it was made for, and you and I are the same way. We soar not when we do what we want whenever we want, we will soar, we will glide across the water when we, when we, when we get in the context, when we, when we live within the boundaries and, and live with the purpose that God has poured into us. This series, for the next 10 weeks or so, we're going to talk about some of those boundaries, some of those, uh, some of those ancient answers to these modern problems. And I hope at the end of this thing, by, by Christmas, as, as you're looking into the new year, my prayer is that by, by considering these boundaries and working with them, you actually feel more free than you do right now. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, helping us to live with purpose and, and designing us in a way to work a certain way. And God, um, I pray we all consider the ways that we're addicted. We consider the ways that we're not honest with ourselves. We consider the ways that we... Uh, lie to ourselves and, and, and to others, and that we will start to recognize where, where the true freedom actually comes from, from following after you. God, may we this week commit to start knowing your words more and clinging to them and, and being a servant of all. 
God, this is why we, we ask people to serve. We ask people to get on a serving team. We ask people to get involved in the community because it is just part of the heart of Christ that we, that we serve others. Um, God, I, I pray we don't follow our stomachs to some new kind of slavery, uh, follow our desires and our guts and to, all the way down the road to where that leads us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.